Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian, a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're joining the club, the book club that is, with my friend Greg Peterson, who is a book enthusiast and member of Brown's Book Club in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. I'm excited to talk about book clubs. It's a very cozy topic. It's overdue for discussion on our podcast. And uh, I'm excited to learn how to run a successful one because every book club I've ever been a part of has failed spectacularly. So (laughs) (laughs) you can teach us how to actually make one work. Perfect. I'll do all I can. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So before we get started and dive into the book club conversation, we're going to start with what's making us feel cozy this week. So what's making me feel cozy this week is the Hulu show Pen15, starring Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Um, Have either of you watched Pen15 at all? Yes, and it's kind of a difficult process. I really like it, and I think it's so true to life. I've never seen a show that accurately depicts middle school in that time period, but it's also so hard to watch, too. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it can be a little cringy at, at times or also like bring you back to certain moments. So it's one of those shows where it is so cozy because it there's so much nostalgia in it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I can't. I might just turn this off. You described it perfectly. It's very evocative of, of 2000. So if you're not familiar with the show at all, right, it's set in middle school in 2000. They're in seventh grade. It's two girls. Well, but it's really two adult women in like their 20s and 30s. And so the, the odd thing about the show is that these it's adult women acting with um, actual middle school age child actors. And so, and the funny thing is, is that they're like really like, <laughs> they want to date them. And so they go on these dates with these actual middle schoolers, which is kind of strange, but it, it kind of works in that kind of strangers with candy. It's not, it's not the first kind of show to do this. Um, and it, 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 it does, I think, work for me. Um, But what's cozy about it for me is just that like, it perfectly captures what it was like to be in middle school in 2000. I was in middle school at that time. It's like exactly my age range. From everything from their flared pants to um, their gel pens, to the music they're listening to, like Spice Girls and Bewitched and all these other different things. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, the AIM episode where they go into like the wonders and horrors of Ale instant messaging, even just how they, and we talked about this in the episode where we, um, the coziness of, cozy, right? the, yeah, the, the internet age, the, the, the opening door, like when you log on to aim, the way it's shut when you would log off and like people's like away messages being so meaningful to everyone when they're oh reading it, they're, they're packed full of meaning. They get all of those nuances. So it's a comedy. It does touch on some really difficult, um, mm-hmm. issues, but in general, um, I think it's cozy if you grew up in that era and you kind of get to relive that nostalgia. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, Jillian, what is making you feel cozy this week? Mine's a little strange as I feel like per usual. Um, but I something about the sight of office buildings at night when no one's there, like you're driving through a business neighborhood, say like downtown and all these empty office buildings, but they still have all their lights on. Something about that is really comforting to me. And I think the reason why is because those spaces are usually so busy during the day and you imagine all the hustle and bustle. And then at night, it's so peaceful, maybe like a little bit eerie too, because there are these like empty office buildings. Um, 
but I was driving through downtown LA last night and I just saw through like the business area and I saw all these um, just glowing office buildings, all their lights on and everything seems so still and I guess I don't know at peace, but it was just a nice sight. And I always felt that way whenever I see an empty office building, it sounds strange. But I was like, oh, that always makes me feel nice and comforting for some bizarre reason. I think I know what you mean, but it does sound like a Dateline episode, which you're expecting. <laughs> it's like a woman, a woman was abduct, abducted in an office parking lot late at night. No, it's it's like this nice, especially when you go through like, yeah, like a downtown LA or I think, you know, I mean, any, any city has that kind of um, area and there's something very still about it. I guess offices at... Or just like buildings at night. <laughs> that probably that'd be probably a better way to describe it instead of just office buildings. But um, when everything's quiet in a city where that's it's usually bustling and it's, it's still, especially at night, just like it gives me a good cozy feeling. So it almost gives you like a chance to like relax yourself too. And you see something where everyone's usually working and they're not. You yeah. can kind of take a load off mentally too. Like okay, it's still and quiet. I can channel that as well. Yeah, that's that's, that's the kind point. of feeling which I'm going for. But it sounds it sounds like it's creepy from the from the <laughs> onset. <laughs> no, I do get it though because I always do like looking into. Well, we talked about extensively on this podcast how we both enjoy looking into windows at night. Yes, I love that. <laughs> like peeping <laughs> toms, <laughs> peeping Tina's. So I do enjoy looking into offices, kind of like seeing like, oh, what's their workday look like? What, what's their whole office situation uh, going on? But. I, I I I like Greg's point, which is that like yeah, the the workday is over and you can kind of relax too. It's calm and there is a, I I I hear you, Julian. There is a stillness to that atmosphere, definitely. Yeah, the feeling. I, I think I think there's a weird way. This is just a personal thing that I have, which is I have a tendency to fetishize uh, office spaces because I work in a school setting, and mm-hmm. so the idea of even going into like a boring office park has a certain exotic allure to me. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my God, so you go to work and there aren't kids there? <laughs> There's just something so exciting about that to me. Um, yeah, so. I feel the same way. Working from home, I just, that that nine to five. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's, yeah, maybe I just have a thing for office buildings. I'm, I'm like never been in one, so. <laughs> I've seen the other side. <laughs> the grass is always greener. Yeah. Greg, how about you? What is making you feel cozy this week? So I've really been leaning into kind of a late winter, early spring vibe in terms of household decor this month, which is making me feel particularly cozy. Um, I know I'm kind of with my people in terms of seasonal decoration enthusiasm here. Yeah. And I'm sure you kind of felt the same dread when January rolls around and the holiday decorating goes away for a little while. So I've kind of tried to find this workaround where I've left some winter decor up, not holiday, but like winter decorations. So like simple reeds, pine cones, things like that. And then um, also bring in some contrasting kind of spring touches, like spring flowers. And we've got one of those like diffusers in our bedroom. Um, so I've changed the scents from like a Fraser fir to a lavender eucalyptus. Oh, nice. Yeah. In Boston right now, we're kind of at that point in between winter and spring where it's like usually sunny and crisp during the day, but it still gets super chilly at night. Uh, so, mm-hmm. be, so being able to kind of tap into that springy vibe when you walk into your apartment and it's bright and smells like lilies or lilacs and then at night kind of curl up with a wool blanket under some white lights. It just is kind of peak cozy for me. I don't think we talk about mixing season decor very often. It's either just we dive deep into fall decor or 
yeah, that cozy winter vibe, but mixing the two is really nice. It sounds, it sounds lovely. Your apartment sounds like a, a, a exceptionally cozy place. <laughs> it's kind of like the brunch of seasons, you know, it's a little bit of the both, <laughs> best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, what, what neighborhood, if you don't mind me asking, do you live in Boston? I live in Jamaica Plain. Oh, I um, used to live in Jamaica Plain. Really? Yes. How Boston's funny. very cozy this time of year. Like you said, because you have those nice crisp days, but you can also cozy up at night. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I think we need to do more diffuser scent reviews. We've never really done that before. Especially at work where you can't, you know, you can't burn things. So, <laughs> that's amazing, Greg. Yeah, I, I, I think we are the, in the in-between season. I'm even starting to think about like, do I want to decorate for Easter? Mm. Which is always a bit of like, a is it worth it kind of moment yeah, <laughs> because, yeah lean into it go yeah. full throttle <laughs> um but that, that in between is really um a comfy space so that's wonderful greg thank you of course all right so it's time to talk about our main topic which is book clubs greg is here as a representative of his book club Brown's Book Club, which he uh, is a member of in Boston, Massachusetts. So before we go dive into what your book club is all about and how it works, can you describe a little bit of your history with books? So when did you fall in love with books? Oh, gosh. Um, So I guess we can start by... We'll have to start by throwing it way back to when I was a kid. And I guess I can preface by saying I wasn't the most social child. I'd often find things where I could kind of just entertain myself. So I don't know, weird example, but I would often like go in my back alley and like break open rocks with hammers. I did that too. <laughs> really? Wow, we're just finding similarities left and right here. <laughs> yeah, but I would take my rocks and I would go into the backyard and smash it onto bigger rocks and split them open. So I, I guess it wasn't as evolved as you. <laughs> it's more like a caveman. I do. Th- yeah, I think a lot of kids go through a geology phase. Okay, yeah. Well, this is very helpful for me to know. But yeah, so I was just like looking for like shiny rocks or interesting patterns. But I was also super clumsy. So I think my parents were always kind of trying to shepherd me away from that activity (laughs) and so that like inevitably ended up being books what's safer than a book you know um and so i i think when i started really loving books was when i got into series so kind of graduating from peewee scouts to animorphs to harry potter maybe a rogue sweet valley high of my sisters um (laughs) they were always just something that i could kind of fall back on and have that kind of alone time with them yeah, that's, so basically your parents saved you from a life of mining. Right. Um, halfway the goal that's, that's where you were headed, right? Yeah. You're, you're going to be a miner. And they saw that. And so they were like, oh, let's get this kid a book. Yeah, I think when I think about like where my love affair with books started, I, I mean, I guess a, a common answer is the Scholastic Book Fair. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, it's such a huge event. Like if you're, if you're unfamiliar, like, and I, I don't know if they, I, I assume they still do it because I actually was uh, a teacher's assistant at, a, at an elementary school as recently as like the, uh, the late 2010, like early 2010, they were still doing the book fairs. So it was still a big deal for kids. So it may still well be like a popular and an important, you know, part of any child's development. But, you know, getting some money from my, my parents and then just going to select a book that was just for me was really special. And I think I really fell in love. And this is why I'm a huge Harry Potter fan is you know, when I got the Harry Potter books, it just sort of like started this ravenous thirst for reading because, you know, wait, between waiting for Harry Potter books, I would just read other fantasy series. And so that's kind of how that started for me. Jillian, when did you get into books as a, as a, a kid or an adolescent or adult? 
I mean, yeah, I guess as long as I can remember, I'd spend a lot of uh, weekends just reading in my room. My mom said, you know, describing me between my sisters, like we all had different interests and my interests would, I would make up, you know, little stories or I'd be really interested in stories and storytelling. So I think that played a role into it. Um, And my mom was a big reader and also she would you know, have her own books and I would, she always leave it on her nightstand and I would, you know, try and read them. So I think that helped too, having a parent who also shares your interest. Yeah. Yeah. Then just from there, like I agree with the Scholastic Book Fair. I remember getting those magazines, like the preview of what's going to be at the fair. And that was always so thrilling, you know, circling what I wanted. But I was also like a super forgetful kid too. So I remember I'd like forget my check or something. It'd just be the most horrifying moment and (laughs) run to the office to call my mom, you know, kind of thing. Um. But yeah, I, I agree with everything that has been said. Uh, it seems like we're all on a similar page from where our love of books started. But oddly, you know, a love of books does not always translate to a successful book club. No. But Greg, your book club is, first of all, it's adorable. It has an Instagram page. And it's, what, what, is, the, what is the handle for your Instagram again for the book club? Is uh, Brown's Book Club, so it's pretty pretty straightforward. That's, pre- that's pretty straightforward. Okay, somehow I couldn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I just, to, I just wanted to be sure. So it's at Brown's Book Club. So if you want to see how like a really successful, brilliant book club does it, check out that Instagram handle. You're thriving. I mean, every book club I've ever been a part of has died, and I'll yeah. get into more of that later. <laughs> but can you just give us a little background information on your book club? So how did Brown's Book Club start? Um, how many people are involved, and how long has it been active? Yeah, so it was um, sort of from pretty humble beginnings. It was just kind of that standard, a mass email goes out. Um, so we have two, our, our two founders um, are Mallory Brown and Sarah Brown, thus the Browns Book Club. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. So That's they why. just kind of cast a wide net and sent an email out to a bunch of people. And there was a lot of immediate enthusiasm about the book club. You know, everyone, I think it's something where a lot of people have thought about doing it. They've tried to do it. And here again was the invite. So email went out. A lot of people responded. I think probably like 40 people. And so... 40 people responded? Yeah, people were like... people And then we got closer to the date. We sent out a second email just being like, this is the book we're going to read. This is the night we're going to have it. This is who's hosting. And responses started dwindling a little bit. And then what's now an infamous message went out to the group that finalized all the details. And then in an italicized font said... If you did not read the book, kindly do not attend. Wow. <laughs> I love the kindly. Yes. And so our first meeting had five people at it. Wow. And those are the OGs, the original, are, have held out uh, for the entire um, two years we've now been running, but we've added two members throughout that time. So we have seven people now. And yeah, that's kind of the our creation story. Well, so, so cold from 40 down to down to five and then seven. So, I mean, I, th- I think that fundamentally gets at like why book clubs are so hard to start and then maintain, which is that people have to be on top of reading the book and also committing to a date to attend the meeting. And, and so th- it sounds like that's not a, a commitment that a lot of people are willing or able to make. <laughs> right. It was also February. A lot of people were kind of like, nesting it's cold outside mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily commit to leaving your apartment so i feel like a lot of people right. were kind of that was a daunting task it sounded better than um in practice for some people well yeah i think there's like a self-improvement aspect to book club is people you know it, it is like a great motivation for getting back into reading right i think a lot of a lot of people and myself included at certain points in my life 
were like, I need to be a reader again. I want to I want to read consistent books and I, I want to read the books that people are talking about today. Mm-hmm. And a book club is perfect for that. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have to put the rubber to the road. And that's a whole nother, nother matter of like, OK, so I'm going to commit to reading this book. Not only am I going to read it, but I have to finish it on time so I can go to the discussion. So there is a lot of commitment when it comes to book clubs. And so it sounds like maybe like first step, if you're interested in forming a book club, you have to make sure that you're with people who are reliable, right? Who will read the book and then attend every meeting. Absolutely. I think it's, that's probably my number one tip is just that you want to find people who have a similar idea of what the club is going to be. Cause there's a lot of like, there's a spectrum of book clubs, you know, some people go more for the social elements and they just kind of drink wine and glaze over the book, which is great. Mm -hmm. And that fills a certain niche for kind of a a certain type of book club. Others really kind of go the opposite side of it and uh, dive into the book and have really robust discussions. And then there's kind of a middle ground too. So just, I'd say, yeah, find like-minded people who want to have the same experience. How do you guys choose the book? Do you vote on it? Um, is there a discussion, like an, an email thread? How does that happen? So uh, we alternate member by member every single month. So um, oh, somebody cool. will usually come in with a couple ideas. And at the end of our discussion of the previous month's book, they'll run it by us. And sometimes we'll do like a quick vote if they need a little extra assistance. Sometimes people will come in exactly knowing what they want. Um, and they'll mm-hmm. just kind of read a summary for the rest of the group. That seems like a really fair system. Yeah. And it's like everyone has different tastes. We have some people who prefer nonfiction, some who are mm-hmm. really on top of like the modern what's just come out and some people who like to do a little bit more of a throwback. So it does give us a good mix. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any requirements on what book you can choose? No, not at all. I think originally we were a little bit more conscious about like length of a book because we were like, we're all busy. This is, we're still figuring this out. But now it's kind of like free for all. We're like, we're in it. We know that we'll commit to finishing it. So it's kind of no holds barred. You can kind of do whatever you like. That sounds like a good system. Yeah. I think I, I mean, I killed the book club that I started <laughs> with my selection. So back in, when I was living in Chicago, I started a book club with some friends who were neighbors. It was just five of us, so I, f- I felt like it should have been manageable. We read the the novel uh, Push by Sapphire, had a great discussion, and it was a, a, a great first meeting. And then I picked the next book, which is like how, how to become a famous novelist. I think that's it. I, I can't remember the title exactly, but it's about that. It's like it was a humorous novel that had just come out that I was interested in, and it wasn't even very long, and yet no one else read it. Right. Oh my God. I would, and so, and so immediately the next month, the, the book club just fell apart because no one else read the book. Right. Because essentially like no one else in that club was interested in reading what another member had suggested. <laughs> because I think it started with like everyone being like, Oh yeah, I want to read the novel push. And so we basically yeah. became a temporary book club just to discuss that novel. They should have said, this is not really floating our boats um, and pick a new one instead of just not reading it. Right. Exactly. I mean, the, the, I think the plan was to make it work like Greg's group, which is everyone gets to pick one. And, and I was up first and I immediately killed the club. So <laughs> no, you didn't kill it. They should have been honest. <laughs> you know, make, thank you, make Jillian. Peace with yourself. Thanks for letting me off the hook. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I had to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, I I'm one of the person like I'm not someone who's very organized. So if someone is leading the charge, I'll I'll be there. It's just 
I could never lead a book club. So I'm always very impressed by people who do because it takes a lot of organization. I imagine you guys go through a lot of scheduling. Like, how do you guys figure that out? Do you have a Google calendar that you're all on? We have recently started a calendar. Yes. Uh, But usually we'll just kind of all bring our planners to a meeting and set the next at least two dates out during the meeting itself. So it's a lot of back and forth, but um, it's kind of work. Yeah, it's kind of a high priority for all of us. So we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that seems like you guys are all super committed, which makes the group so successful. Yeah, I think that's the the, the secret ingredient, which I guess is not so secret. Well, speaking of prior experiences in book clubs, have you ever been in a book club before this one? And what was that experience like, if you have? I've not. I've been probably one of those people who was excited about it on an email chain and then just didn't go. But I've never Mm -hmm. actually um, tried and not followed through with the book club. My mom was always in book clubs when I was growing up. So I feel like I kind of like would have these like old memories of like a bunch of ladies laughing and drinking wine downstairs when I was younger. So I feel like it was like a seed was planted perhaps, but yeah. Great. So you're wildly successful on your first go. That's great. Yeah, Wonderful. You know. Awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of like food and wine and, and all that, your Instagram for the book club at Brown's book club highlights the amazing drinks and treats that you enjoy while discussing your books. Like you made handmaid's tail cupcakes for like the, the holder of the cupcake is like the little like white cap they all wear. It's oh my God. adorable, but frightening <laughs> at the same time. You made a cake for Lincoln and the Bardo. Um, was Ooh. that your cake or did someone else make that cake? That one was my cake. Yeah. First of all, like, is is this just like Greg's passion for, <laughs> for treats that's driving this or like, how do you, how does, how do these wonderful concoctions get made? What's the genesis of that? So I historically love a theme. So any chance I get to kind of, um, Fluff those feathers. I'm I'm into it. Um, <laughs> but I think we just are again. We're pretty like minded in this group. A lot of us will kind of bring out our own special um, skills or interests when we're preparing for a meeting. So whoever's hosting will often do some sort of kind of themed entree or meal or snacks. So if we're reading a book, uh, we read a book about Ireland. Somebody made a baked potato bar. Oh my god! I, I want to like move to Boston right now and join the club. It sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's just like fun. And I mean, for certain books like *Handmaid's Tale*, for instance, you know, it, it being able to make a funny cupcake does provide a little bit of levity in an otherwise mm-hmm. pretty dismal discussion. You know, yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. And then you can also kind of play around with um, like regional flavors. We read a book that took place in like South Carolina and was all about marine biology and somebody who lived by the sea so we did kind of like a sea salt and caramel and all these different flavors that kind of um were inspired by the book so there's a lot of different ways to do it it doesn't always have to be making a cake shaped like abraham lincoln but uh, sometimes it is <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic is there shared responsibility around the food and drinks is it like whoever is moved that month or is it is, is it always you how does that get divvied up like is it like a potluck Yeah, it's usually, I mean, everybody just kind of does whatever they can. So if somebody doesn't have as much bandwidth one month, they're not like going to be shunned if they don't bring a themed cupcake, you know. Um, (laughs) So it's just kind of you, everybody, it's just kind of like fun and exciting for most of us to make something themed. So it can be um, snacks, it can be a funny prop. People come kind of loosely dressed in a theme sometimes. Wow, that's commitment. Like flex those creative muscles, you're everyone kind of does it in their own way. But there's always good food and the host usually does um, something, again, kind of a themed food item of some sort. Well, so speaking of the books that you read, what has been your favorite read so far? Oh my gosh, we've 
read a lot of good books this last year, but I think my favorite, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. No, I'm not familiar. No. What's that about? First and foremost, it is a heavy book, um, but it's really, really interesting. It kind of chronicles the AIDS epidemic in Chicago and alternates mm. between a storyline in the 80s as um, the crisis is ongoing and there's it's affecting this particular group of friends. And then it also parallels that story um, with a present day storyline that's narrated by the younger sister of one of the victims who's kind of reconciling how spending her entire youth as a caregiver for these young dying men um, has shaped her life and her kind of ability to to kind of move on um so it's really really well written it's kind of has a personal connection just coming from around chicago i mean i know you as well matt so and it just like it, it just gets chicago in that way which um you always hear about kind of like the aids epidemic in new york and san francisco and la but um i thought this was a really interesting take and it's just um really really beautifully written so i would highly recommend it that's really true. Like when I think about all of the AIDS movies I've watched and documentaries, it really does center typically around all the activism happening in New York around that time. Mm-hmm. And so it would be really fascinating to read about what Chicago was like. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I think that a book like that, it's important to be able to have a discussion with others about it. Sometimes when you read a heavy book, you're just in this, you're, you know, it, it can be a lot. It can be heavy when you're just in this headspace, because I find that when I read a book, I, I carry it with me wherever I go, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it or the, the, the tone vibe of the book. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm yeah very easily affected by writing. So I think it's important to have an outlet for, for a topic like that and openly discuss it with other people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although this was funny timing as I selected this book last month and it just happened to coincide with my honeymoon. So it was a little <laughs> bit of a, a dark book to be reading and I my uh, poor husband yeah. was stuck reading it for most of the like lying by the pool and reading about AIDS. It was a, a tough one for him, but, uh, but we got through it. Yeah. Well, you know, it grounded you. It didn't let you <laughs> get, get too elated on your honeymoon. Exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> when you think about the discussions that you've had with your book club, because, I mean, that is, like, the primary, like, great value of even doing this, right, is being able to discuss what you're reading with other people mm-hmm. and get new insights and hear what they're thinking. How, what, what is, have you ever, have you had a, an aha moment in your discussions about any certain books, like, where somebody brought something up in the discussion and it just made everything click? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that we're always kind of bringing our own perspectives into the way that we're interpreting the books or... Um, yeah, so people can definitely bring clarifying points or make you think about characters different way because we'll often just kind of ingrained in the discussion is who are your favorite characters, who were your least favorite characters, things like that. And so just hearing about somebody else describe a character that you really felt impacted by or disliked, and then you kind of see them in a different light maybe because they uh, took something they said differently or an action they made differently. Um, so that's, yeah, we we're kind of always getting those different perspectives. Have you guys had any big debates that were getting a little heated? Yeah, absolutely. I think we we know it's kind of a safe space, um, but you always kind of want to be a little bit sensitive about people's suggestions, but we're pretty honest about our feedback. And so there's some people who, so I guess to give you a little framework, we always start every meeting by um, going around in a circle and rating it out of 100 on both style and substance. 
So you get to kind of like hold the floor and be like, okay, so I love the way this was written X, Y, and Z. I give it a 95 for substance, but the style, it was a little slow at times. The writing wasn't like my favorite. So I give it like an 80 or something. And then you explain why. Um, so that kind of like gives you the floor to air any grievances you have early on yeah. and then um, get into the broader discussions and have a little bit more kind of counter arguments after that. I love how organized everything sounds. It's like really, it's not a formula. Yeah, this is where it kind of turns a corner and gets really like, okay, so you guys are really into this, right? Because we like, <laughs> I keep minutes. We do like, oh, wow. <laughs> we also have a, a year end gala, which is where we do kind of an Oscars like ceremony where we vote on all of the different books we read and give them certain awards, have like themed drinks. And then I also draw up statistics from all of the ratings that we've done over the years. So, Everyone gets a personal dossier of like what they rated the highest, how it compares to other people in the group, where we read the books as far as like if a book took place in Germany or Canada or Chicago, all kinds of other stats. So it gets real like nerdy and (laughs) intricate. That's amazing. Do you do you calculate all of that yourself or do you use an app for is there like an app you use for that like Goodreads? We use Goodreads recreationally, but I feel like I just am always kind of keeping the stats um, in a little notebook and then just crunching numbers on a old school calculator and yeah, just putting them into like a, a word graph or something like that. That's phenomenal. I mean, that creates a really strong culture for the club and I, I can see why it would keep people motivated to keep coming back. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's also fun to just like have a year in review because I feel like it can get kind of blurry thinking back of all the books that you've read previously that year especially if you're reading books in between your book club picks. So it's nice to have that all kind of documented. Is there a bias in your book club? It's data driven. (laughs) When you crunched all the numbers and looked at your data, what did you discover about the book club? You can definitely see trends. Some people often vote very similarly on style and substance. Some people are consistently at odds with each other on their rankings. Um, They're still kind of butting heads on what their favorite is versus books they didn't care for as much. And then there's certain books that it's also interesting that maybe we're the top rated of all of our books in terms of style and substance, but then they just, like many of the Oscar films, just get snubbed in the gala awards. So, wow. Always, <laughs> Lots of drama. <laughs> drama. Do you post all the, the gala awards on your Instagram? So, we started our Instagram directly after the first gala. So, oh, okay. So, it's secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are coming up on our second gala in early March. So, um, I think we'll have a much stronger presence at that point and we'll probably do a little bit more play-by-play maybe do some kind of live footage of some of the awards um there's always really good themed food and drinks so yeah definitely a good one to stay tuned for do you find that you have a lot of people just following the your instagram account your the book club that are just strangers that you think that you're really getting a good following because of all of your delectable <laughs> treats and <laughs> your good content on your feed or yeah there's a pretty robust bookstagram if you if you like um so it's kind of we since we only meet once a month um and we wanted to kind of post a little bit more regularly we're kind of posting pictures anytime we're out reading there's like a pretty backdrop or um just an interesting place or a book we really like we're kind of constantly posting even outside of when we meet so um i think that's where we kind of connect with a lot of other people on social media so a lot of people who are also just really into like book photography or who are doing more um instagram reviews and people who are in the local boston area so we're kind of just always keeping our feelers out and connecting with people when we can even if it's not specifically about our particular meetings 
Speaking of your Instagram followers, Greg, is there anyone who follows along with your book club online? Does the reading with you all that comments? We do see a lot of people who are reading the same book or have recently read the same book that we're reading for our meetings that will kind of chime in and maybe just give a quick uh, rundown of why they liked it or what they thought. And so we'll engage in some conversations there. But I don't think we necessarily will announce it and have like somebody go out and buy it immediately. That's not, we're not at that level yet, I'd say. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So that's a challenge to our listeners. So be the first to read along with Brown's Book Club. Mm-hmm. Um, do you announce like ahead of time, like what book you're reading so people can follow along if they have that option? Or is it just more of like, uh, hey, check it out. This is what we're doing. Yeah, we've started to kind of do a quick introduction to what we're going to be reading. So since a different member picks the book every every month, um, we'll just kind of give them a little feature saying that they're selecting this book for this month. And this is a brief blurb about why they chose it. So that's something you can definitely look out for that we're going to try to do a little bit more consistently just to give people a heads up for what they'll be seeing uh, pop up on their Instagram stories in the next month. Yeah, I've been inspired. The selections that your club typically makes are really oftentimes very new contemporary fiction that's out out there and people are talking about it. And so that's like one area of my, for my own reading that I'm so far behind on because I'm always just reading cozy mysteries yeah. <laughs> that aren't necessarily new. It's a good way to keep up with contemporary fiction. A lot of the stuff you guys pick, like I want to read um, Circe was one oh, of the yeah. books you've read in your club. And I want to read um, the, craw- was it When the Crawdads Sing? Where the Crawdads Sing, yeah. Well, yeah, where the, where the Crawdads Sing, not when. <laughs> Those both look really good. So even if you don't read along with Brown's Book Club, um, if you check out their Instagram, you can at least like get inspired by some of the books they're picking. Yeah, and we kind of, the quickest like Cliff's Note version of that is, we do this kind of funky thing where the day of a book club meeting, we'll all individually post stories about our like journey to getting to book club that day. So if we're <laughs> looking forward to it, like three more hours, like leave work for book club or just a, like funny puns or connections to the book. So that's, um, but we save those all to our stories. So that's a kind of quick way to overview the last books that we've read. That's wonderful. Yeah. I can't wait to follow you guys. Sounds very cozy. Yeah. So what advice do you have? for people who are interested in starting a book club in their community? Yeah, so I would definitely reiterate just kind of uh, being on the same page as the other members in your club about what you want the experience to be. Not every book club has to be as involved as as Brown's book club is, but um, it's just kind of the way that we all kind of jive and the way that we want it to be. Um, But I'd say other tips are just to kind of be open-minded and be comfortable going outside of what you'd normally read um, and kind of just take it as an opportunity to learn different perspectives, read something that you normally wouldn't pick up. And that's, that's super exciting because it, you'll often at the very least learn something, if not really enjoy a new book. Um, and then I guess most importantly, just have fun with it. Um, you're there for a release. You're there to kind of disconnect from maybe the stresses in your life and just to um, read really good books. So never forget that that's kind of the ultimate purpose. That's great advice. Very cozy, Greg. Thank you for giving us a walkthrough of your book club and inspiring us to start our own. And I totally agree that, you know, being open-minded is extremely important when you're a part of or starting a book club because you just don't want to have happen what happened to me or little old me suggest a book and no one read it. So sad. Well, give it a second go. (laughs) I'm still traumatized. (laughs) All right. So that brings us to our next segment. So we're going to start our little closeout segments. And that begins with soothing sounds. So soothing sounds is the segment where we each come prepared with a song that's making us feel cozy this week. 
and we share it with our listeners um, so that we can uh, spread the the soothing sounds around. So I have Jillian's track queued up first. Uh, Jillian, can you introduce your soothing sound? Yes, my soothing sound is Yola Tango, and um, it's Autumn Sweater. I first heard this song in high school, and I remember walking around like very on on brand around in the fall, and like with my headphones on after school, and just listening to this song on repeat. Um, it's it just even this the sound is cozy. Usually, I pick um, songs because of the lyrics are cozy or um, it's uplifting or upbeat. But this time, I just exclusively the sounds um it's really relaxing song too and it's a classic so that's why i chose it all right so let's listen to autumn sweater by yola tango super cozy it's really kind of a, a chill vibe <laughs> if you yeah. <laughs> yeah yola tango is a band that i feel like i've heard a lot about uh, mm-hmm. but i've never really taken the time to listen to unfortunately yeah it's just a song that i guess yeah brings me back to a certain time and also yeah just it's the song is i don't know yeah just comforting and um it's just something i go back to once in a while it's not it's something you really listen to, I guess, on, on repeat. When I was younger, I, I definitely did just like go on walks and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty nice. It's funny. I think actually all of our selections are by musical artists who are really coming to national attention around mm-hmm. the same time, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So on that note, uh, my soothing sound is a, a new song by Jenny Lewis called Heads Gonna Roll. and I think what keeps happening with these songs that I keep suggesting on this podcast are that like the music is very soothing, but the lyrics are kind of disturbing. So I'm going to continue <laughs> that trend <laughs> because she's going to remind you that we're all just goals in the end. And almost, I, I kind of read the lyrics as um, her discussing like basically what we do with our time here and why, why little flings aren't such a big deal. So um, let's listen to Jenny Lewis's uh, latest single as of this recording, which is in February. Head's gonna roll.
Yeah, so I, I, Jenny Lewis to me is a quintessential cozy uh, musical artist. I think her music is so warm and inviting. She always tells a story that envelops you. And I think this latest single is no exception. I definitely was a big Grail Kylie fan when I was in high school. Um, haven't heard new stuff from her in a, in a minute. So it's nice to um, come back, come full circle back to her. Yeah, actually, when I just moved to L.A., one of the first things I did with Jillian was go see uh, Jenny Lewis's concert at the Wiltern. And that was in support of her album uh, Voyager, mm-hmm. which was 2014. So it's it's been some time since her last yeah, album. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a minute. So I mean, I, and the Voyager the, that single also is so I find it that'd be super cozy. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> she's she's a cozy person in general. Greg, going off of again continuing kind of that early aughts <laughs> bandwagon of, of musical artists, um, we have another new single by Vampire Weekend. Yeah. And so it's just, it's funny. Like you said, we're kind of all cosmically aligned here in our um, (laughs) suggestions. Yeah. But yeah, I'm also kind of a sucker for nostalgia and a comeback. So I was just really stoked when Vampire Weekend announced that they were releasing some new music uh, for the first time, I think over five years. Um, And I guess this is kind of soothing to me because um, I think it's just aesthetically, it's got a really pretty opening. Um, but also because it brings back so many memories because they have a very particular sound. And a lot of this music is what I was listening to right at the end of and right after graduating from college. So kind of that really like transitional time. Great. So let's listen to Harmony Hall by Vampire Weekend. We took a vow in summertime. Now we found ourselves in late December. Time for their great surrender, but they don't remember. Anger wants a voice, voices want to sing. Sinners harmonize, till they can't hear anything. Thought that I was free from all that questioning, but every time a problem ends, another one begins, and the stone. Um, so yeah, one of I feel like this song kind of connects back to what I mentioned was kind of my like why I'm feeling cozy right now because it starts off kind of slow and this kind of melodic guitar harmony, and then it bursts forth with a little bit more of a, a poppy riff. So it kind of feels like that transition from winter to spring, which I felt like was really just topical for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And they, I mean, they sound kind of like again, it's a very good vibe. The the music is upbeat. And they do remind me of Paul Simon in that way. They're sounding more and more like Paul Simon every day. Yeah. <laughs> they probably hate that comparison, but that's what I hear. I think it's a big compliment. Oh, good choice. <laughs> all good choices all around. Those are some soothing sounds. <laughs> so our next segment is um, our candle review. It's our last segment of the episode. And unfortunately, Greg, we don't have smell-o-vision <laughs> oh, here. So Greg can't smell the candle that we were burning. In fact, so listeners, a little peek behind the curtain. So if this, if this episode sounds a little different from how it usually sounds, it's because we're, you know, obviously Greg's in Boston. So we're doing a remote uh, recording and we're using an, an, an app I've never used before called Zencaster. And this is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you want to pay us. But if you want to pay us, Zencaster, you know, I, we're, I have a PayPal. <laughs> we're sellouts. So uh, just, just hit us up. 
we're recording remotely, and so Greg can't unfortunately smell the candle. But we'll Greg just just sit tight as we describe what a can the candle smells like. So um, the candle that we are reviewing today is by Simply Curated, which is a, it's a travel candle that's a limited edition. The scent is amber and cardamom, um, and this is a company that launched in 2012 by Sarah Cooley. Um, all candles are hand poured in their studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and candles are 100. percent free. (laughs) What is that word? I I didn't know what that meant, but I'm like, okay, that's probably a good thing. So I'm down. Um, I actually bought this candle at this really cute store in um, Echo Park called The Social Type. Uh, It's where you can buy cards and little cute knickknacks and they sell um, candles as well. And I was intrigued by this candle because I never heard of a travel candle before. So I assume they want you to take it on trips with you, which... Seems like a very luxurious. <laughs> I know, right? It's like imagine having being prepared with a candle. But I guess like if we were really, you know, walking the uh, the walk here, I think we would have travel candles or something. That sounds super cozy. Like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a businesswoman on the go. I'm gonna have my candle. I'm ready to go. Like whatever hotel room I'm in, I'm gonna burn it. <laughs> yeah, something that like you have space in your brain for. Oh yeah, I gotta pack my travel <laughs> candle. <laughs> It seems like you're in a higher class. So. I know that, that person has uh, their stuff together. If they, if they have, if they've gotten to the point where they're like prepared with the travel candle. Yeah. But yeah, it's a cute concept. And uh, I guess I was feeling luxurious. Um, I really enjoy it. And I think all the companies run exclusively by women. So that's neat too. So yeah. in terms of the scent, I mean, I, we, we, <laughs> we have joint custody of the candle today. So another weird part of today's <laughs> recording is that Julian and I are in the same apartment, but in different rooms. So, so I started the, the recording with the candle, then I brought it over to Julian about halfway through. And when it was with me, I didn't smell much. Um, mm-hmm. I could smell it when I opened it. Like, you know, like when you get that first whiff of the wax opening the container and it smelled very like it's, it's definitely get that, that amber note is right there uh, forward. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked that. It smells great, like when you're really close to it, but I was not getting any throw off of it. What's it like over there, Jillian? Yeah, I feel like we're on, uh, <laughs> or like CBS News or something. It's like throwing it back to Jillian. Yeah, no, it's, it's a satellite recording. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the scent. I think the scent is amazing. What I love about the candles, I had to burn it for three hours before I could light it again. That's what the back instruction said. And I can still smell the scent in my apartment when it's not burning. So it definitely has a nice scent that lingers. But I do agree with you, Matt, that the throw isn't the best. Um, but the scent is is, is amazing. It's definitely more of that. Um, I hate to genderize candles, but that that male that that more male scent that we we made Matt like we talk about. Um, it's not floral, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's more not mineral. floral, which I don't want to associate exclusively with women, but you know. It's not very, it's not perfumey. It's mm-hmm. just, this, it's a really nice scent. So yeah. I definitely recommend it for its scent. The throw could be better, but then again, it's a travel candle. So maybe it's meant for small spaces. I don't think you like candles on airplanes. So. <laughs> uh, well, that's maybe. what I was thinking. It's like, it's like, I guess maybe if you're on the airplane and traveling with your candle. <laughs> Just open it to sniff it. I don't know. That, that's actually a great uh, strategy. When someone pulls out, you know, some fish that they bought at the airport, you can just like go ahead and light your candle. <laughs> combat yes, all the also awful food to the smell wise, the airplane. You might get stopped going through security because I got stopped for bringing a candle in my carry-on. So I guess I thought it was going to light up the plane. I got, I got stopped too when I was getting, I was getting a Yankee candle back from Chicago. Yeah, I had the same experience. All they did though was just like test it and bring, give it back to me. Yeah, same, same here. So 
Uh, and it's small too. It's that's, I should also bring up the, it's a very small circular um, candle. And also I read on their website that the, the case that they use or the holder is made from bar materials. Like a, I, I should go look back into that, but so it's like, like a, like material. a bar you drink in. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll also go back and look at, confirm that they're, they're scrounging but, up some beer cans at the bar and they <laughs> put their candles in it beautiful holder but i think they repurpose material that's great it's recycled reduce yeah. reuse you know yeah that's that's wonderful so uh, how many wicks are we going to give this candle i think i'm gonna go ahead and give it a half a wick I, mm-hmm. I like the concept um i like the smell when you're up close to it but i have to dock at some points for it's it's lack of throw yeah hmm maybe can i give it three fourths sure yeah, I think I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do that because I love the scent and like I said, it, the smell has been lingering in my apartment. And since I have two um, little scamps, aka my cats, it's nice to have a nice little scent. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I th- overall, a one and a quarter wick rating yeah. for, uh, for all things cozy. And and in terms of the the burn time before, I think I think the reason they're recommending that you burn it for three hours is so that it doesn't tunnel because it is a very shallow. Um, container. And so if you only burn it for a short amount of time, you're going to create an indent in the candle and all that wax on the outer layer is going to get wasted. So you have to make sure that you burn it consistently enough that the the wax is completely melted on the top. So you're not wasting wax. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good, 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 good tip. And um, the company is simply curated. So you can go on their website and check them out if you want. Great. Well, Greg, thank you so much for sitting through a candle review of a candle you could not smell yeah, yourself. Thank you for all your patience. <laughs> basically smell it from your description. So it was well done. And thank you, Greg, for coming on and, and walking us through um, how to create a, an A-plus book club. You've inspired us. I hope that our listeners are inspired too to get engaged in book clubs in their communities. Um, where can people follow up with you and, and learn more about what your book club's up to? Yeah, I'd say Instagram is the best spot to uh, follow us. We also do have a little bit of a presence on Goodreads, which we're um, amping up a bit more. So you can just feel free to search uh, at Brown's Book Club on either of those platforms. Um, Yeah, we're always happy to chat. So feel free to send us messages or just uh, comment on photos. And we'll we'll definitely uh, look forward to connecting. Yeah, and I, I cannot recommend enough follow at Brown's Book Club because it is the cozy content you're looking for. If you're a bibliophile and you just want to see more books in your feed, that's the account to follow. So um, thank you so much, Greg, for coming on and joining us. Uh, We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you. Um, And if you want to touch base with us, we are at All Things Cozy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We have a Facebook group you can join. There's a button on our Facebook page. And, and yeah, so, and also, you know, we always appreciate your reviews. If you want to leave a five-star review on iTunes, you know, we would be very grateful for that. It's been a while since we had a review, hint, hint. So, you know, it would be nice and reinvigorating if we got a new one up there. We'd give you a shout out on our podcast. So, you know, if you have the time or if you haven't done that yet, please do. We do appreciate it. And, um, and yeah, so go start a book club, read a book, follow at Brown's Book Club. And as always... Stay cozy. Stay cozy.